Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations begin. And I am so excited today because for the first time ever, ever. we have four people on the podcast. No way. So on the podcast, Super. at this table, we see <laughs> Pastor Marcus Donaldson. Shout out. Hey. We have Mr. Paul Turner. How are we doing? Fantastic. And Mr. Jacob Bowling. How are we, how are we doing, Jacob? Tired, but good. Yeah, first time for you in a, in a while. You just had a baby. How how you doing? You as had a, new dad? a baby. I had a baby. Um, All by yourself. Yep, literally. That, that's how that works nowadays. <laughs> I've um, been wrong this whole time. I mean, apparently the rest of the world has too. So you never know. Uh, no, but yeah, uh, my wife Daisy and I. Um, she had the baby May first, so almost two and a half months ago. Wow. Uh, so that has been an exciting new chapter in our lives, and it's been tiring, but. Worth it. Tiring, but worth it. How many hours of sleep last night? Last night was almost six straight, which is nice. It's been a hot minute since that's occurred. So Very cool. um, I took care of the early feeding. Daisy took care of the early morning one. I woke up at about 4.45. So I'm feeling feeling pretty rejuvenated today. <laughs> there we go. Who needs an alarm clock when you could just have kids? Yes, <laughs> that is true. And he is pretty consistent with his uh, crying. Every three hours, he wakes up to let us know he's hungry. What a guy. Yep, there you go. And then we got Paul on for the just the second time ever. I know, I know. I'm actually scheduling all of my off days to be only on podcast days. Is that nice. intentional? <laughs> hey, that would be that would be awesome. We'd love to have you as much as possible. All right. Well, Marcus, you continued our series in Romans this week, uh, Romans three twenty seven to thirty one. Um, just to look behind the curtain a little bit, that was not what you prepared originally. Sure wasn't. <laughs> Friday morning, sermon application team meeting every Friday morning. And um, I'm like, hey guys, we made it all the way into uh, Romans 4. And I think it was you, right? You're like, yeah, uh, we're not in Romans 4. <laughs> I felt so bad at popping your bubble. <laughs> uh, well, one, I appreciated it. And two, um, you shouldn't feel bad because I'm wrong. Pretty often. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, why don't you take us into a quick recap of that sermon? Yeah. So in uh, Romans 3, 21 through 26, Paul, he uh, explains one of the, the most central um, doctrines in all of Scripture, justification by faith alone. Um, we see in that passage some of the mega themes of salvation that we just briefly just looked at as we... Um, read that passage, but th this passage in all of the passages in the letter is the most important. Um, and so Paul moves from explanation or instruction to the implications in 27 through 31. So, you know, he, he teaches um, justification by faith. And then what does that mean? What, what are the implications or the, the conclusions from that? Um, and so he, he just doubles down there where, where we see him in primarily in verse 28, just to be quick, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Right? So that, that being um, probably like the, the major point there. But those three implications that we talked about um, were the, the implications of the gospel. The gospel humbles, the gospel uh, unifies, and the gospel confirms. And if I had to do it again, I would probably keep the first two, and I would change uh, the last two. Um, the gospel produces obedience. Mm. Very cool. Well, is there a volunteer to go next on your takeaways from the message? This has never happened before. 
Uh-oh. Paul's got nose goes, so I guess it's Jacob. <laughs> All right, I'll send it. Um, I don't have too much to add on to what Marcus said, um, but one thing that as we are going through Romans and we're talking about justification and how that relates to um, us and salvation, what comes to mind is something that I've been learning about recently, something called the purposcuity of Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's Say that word again? Purposcuity. Um, Did he make that up? Or clarity. Not? Yeah, clarity. Clarity of Scripture yeah. and what essentially it means, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Although there are many complex topics in the Bible, the topic of salvation and how an individual um, is saved is simple. And you can get that throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament. Mm -hmm. It is clear on how salvation works. And this is kind of what we're talking about through, um, I don't think just Romans 3, but going all the way back to Romans 1, 117. um, We're talking about how we are saved, right? That idea of justification and um, something that I was thinking about on the way here, when we say justification, right, when we are declared, um, when Jesus' righteousness is um, imputed upon us, right? That Hold we, on, we're not there yet. Not there yet? All right. Imputation is this week. Imputation is this week as in, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, he's just thinking yeah, keep, about the sermon you keep prepared. Keep, keep your flow of thought going. Sorry. All right. Um, my thought, my question, I guess, is at that moment of justification, is that the moment that an individual has their salvation? Yeah. Okay. You're justified, declared righteous. Yeah. Well, so if we're thinking like, so so there's a, it's called the order of salvation, um, and there's some disagreement in that order. Um, but I would because I believe um, that God's grace is irresistible, um, I believe that it, when the Holy Spirit regenerates a person, uh, they will inevitably uh, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. Um, now, what that timeline looks like, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but I know when the Holy Spirit draws, when he regenerates, uh, gives them a new heart to uh, be sensitive to the things of God, I believe that that, um, that that initiates a whole slew of things. So after that being conversion, which is um, our willing response to the gospel and repentance and faith, and then subsequently justification, which from God's perspective was eternal. Like he had that in eternity past figured out. Now, if you want to wrap your head around that, go, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I was just... So I guess, is it safe to say that for our purposes here, we can interchange salvation and justification? Yes, yes. Okay. I do. Yeah. That's what yes, I was getting absolutely. at. So, yeah. I was, I was tracking on the same line. I just wanted to throw that out there yeah. to see if there was any disagreement. I, don't think, I didn't think there would be, but I just wanted to, you know, for our listeners out there who may be confused when we talk about justification, we're also talking about, hey, that's the moment that you are saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, when I, I think about this sermon, I really, and I told Marcus this Sunday, um, I really appreciate the fact that we move directly from 21 to 26 right into 27. And that's one of the good things about just burning a hole straight through Romans is that you get stuff yeah. back to back. And not that there's anything wrong with, you know, jumping into a specific scripture on a Sunday. I mean, we did it the other week with uh, our joint service with La Tribu, uh, jumping into Ephesians, but... You don't get things in isolation. And so we get out of this kind of centerpiece of Romans of no one is righteous, all have fallen short, and then, hey, Jesus is the answer. And then we immediately move into, like you said, Mark, it's the implication. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it's so easy for us to separate those two in our minds into two like very different categories that are addressed separately. But Paul just immediately went after the other. Like there's no paragraph break. I mean, there's no, it is right into it. There's no separation between these two. They naturally flow out of one another and they're immediately back to back. And so I really appreciate having a message that we come out of the previous week and then we move directly into this implication section. Yeah, and the next week, or I guess this Sunday coming up, is uh, Paul's illustration. The entire fourth chapter is devoted to Abraham. Father Abraham. I'm actually looking forward to that. Yeah, I just think it's also so interesting (laughs) here how, like, the implication, like, the only implication that we're offered by Paul here is the fact that we can't boast about anything. Like the implication, the first one, the very first thing that comes to his mind is, hey, no boasting, but continue. Yeah. And there's no like, oh, because, because righteousness is based on faith, like then we need to be reminded of what we need to be obedient with or do the extra things like on top of that. Like we're reminded about that in plenty of other places in Romans and throughout scripture as well. But like you said, Paul, the the first one and the, the only one in this, in this section is that we can't boast. Like you said, Marcus, in your in your past or in your sermon about, like faith never achieves anything; it is always received. Yeah. Like it is always receiving everything, and that that's something that really stuck out to me. And um, it's not a way I've really looked at it before. Uh, sometimes we can think of like I just need more faith. I need to earn, mm. um, you know, the approval of God through the amount of faith that I have, and that's not what this this passage is saying at all. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's the only implication, though. Um, I think that we do have three here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's the first one. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, <laughs> and I and I really think that it's the, um, the first domino that makes the others possible, right? right? So like, because we're justified by faith, to your point, you know, what happens to our boasting? It's excluded um, because we didn't earn it, right? We, we didn't, there's nothing in us that, merited or earned or deserved uh, salvation it's by God's grace alone and it's for um, the glory of God alone so then that that next one like unity is possible because um, it's by God's grace alone there's only one way to be saved for the two groups of people that this letter has been focused on the Jews and then everybody else in the world Um, there's only one way since God is one um, and because justification has always been through faith alone um, it creates unity. There's, and we talked about it the week before, which is pretty cool. Um, the the fact that we are uh, in Christ, one body, Jew yeah. and Gentile. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting. You said it Sunday, Marcus. You said that boasting robs God of His glory, and I was like, ooh, robbing. God. Like, how many of us are ever thinking like? We think about sin of like, oh, I'm lying, like I'm being untrue or, you know, this, that and the other. And it's a very kind of like obvious connection to how this is, quote unquote, offending God, Mm -hmm. if you could use that word. But when you think about robbing God of his glory, that like, that feels like almost like another tear. There's no no tears to this by any means, but robbing God of his glory by boasting in anything other than the completed work of Jesus is a very profound and like. I mean, can I say the word scary? I mean, it's it's a scary thought to think that I could potentially rob God of what is duly His. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, how often that when we use, like you were saying, Josh, like when we talk about faith and, oh, I need more faith. My faith needs to be stronger. Faith is out of a mustard seed. And it's not about, 
and this is something that Paul will say about a hundred thousand times more in Romans, it's not about uh, the amount of faith or the strength of the faith, and we use all sorts of analogies uh, for faith, whether it's the chair that you're sitting in, whatever it is, but it's it's the object of the faith that yep. matters. Um, mm-hmm. I heard somebody once talk about faith being a windshield. Uh, you are supposed to look through it at everything else. It is not the, I don't know, it's not something that's building up. It's something that we are looking through and seeing everything else from. But if you stare at the windshield and just like focus on faith, and this is what I see a lot of Christians do, of like you're talking about, Josh, of like my faith needs to be stronger. I'm just not strong enough in my faith. And you just stare at the windshield, you're going to wreck your car, right? Because you're not right. looking at the roads. We're looking one. through faith and looking through this justification, like you're talking about, Jacob, given to us mm-hmm. by faith, received on the rest of our life. And to rob God of any of that glory, it's a very scary and humbling thought. What's even, at least in my mind, concerning is the day and age that we live in that promotes self above all things. Yeah. How uh, what I think, how I feel, um, where I should be, where I shouldn't be, how good I am. Um, and it's in a self-promoting culture, um, boasting is even, uh, I think it's blood into the church where, um, you know, you ask, you, when you talk, when you meet another Christian, I think sometimes there's a temptation to either give your spiritual resume to sort of like validate yourself <laughs> or... Um, they do it to you just naturally, um, and they're always reminding you, you know, what they're called to do, and this and that, and this and that, and it's like, it's a way of boasting, and we've, um, we've allowed it to become Christian humility mm-hmm. and authenticity and all these other things. Mm. Yeah, I went down to uh, Chestnut Mountain Church after our service because we moved up uh, you had 30 time. minutes. Yeah, I had more time. <laughs> I got there uh, for their 1045 service with my brother and his wife. And uh, Jared was preaching down there. And they were preaching on Nehemiah 7. But really, the, the crux of his message was the same as yours, where I think he even said in his message about, like, if if any if we give any reason for us to be saved, like, if that if that any of that starts with, the, with I then we're off base. No uh, way he said that. He, something very similar. Plagiarism. Wow. wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and and we know from Marcus's sermon this past week that, you know, you gave that story about the... the Alex. Yeah, Alex, the, the dryer maintenance guy. He did. Washer's fixed. Did Thanks you get God. to Did you get to talk to him he more? He was out like a freaking <laughs> rocket ship going out of... Uh, into oh, orbit. Yes, that right. Was, that was. Yes. But like how many times do, do we give the spiritual resume when someone asks us why we need to be saved or if like if we're talking to people, it's like, oh, why should, why should God let you into heaven? And it's like, oh, I'm a good person. I haven't done this. I haven't done this. But it's not about us. Like if it starts with I, then we are immediately off base and that like that's where the, the change needs to happen. And that's, you know, when I, and sorry I'm talking so much, but that for me, um, like I, I had no doubt early like when the Lord saved me, he saved me. But the way that I would articulate it would, would, um, it would, uh, I guess like fight. It would, um, what's the word that I'm thinking of? Contradict. Not contradict. Cause tension. Yes. Yeah. Cause tension with, um, what I was trying to say. I would say like I was saved in, uh, you know, in a church service or, mm-hmm. or I was saved after I responded no, but then, like, I learning these truths, it, it was like, no, the Lord saved me here. Like, 
the the Lord like just switching that that focus from I to what the Lord has done. Right. Um, and and that was big for me. But I it was the church that I grew uh, well grew up in is a church that I um, was discipled in. That it was um, a little more um, Arminian leaning, and and so you know it put a lot of emphasis on your response, which our response is um, it's necessary, um, but it's not. It, it's it never um, negates God's initiating work and and ultimately all the work that He does in salvation. He does all of it. We receive. I feel like we're going to break this table. Keep yeah. hearing it creep back and forth. Uh, kind of going along the same lines of what Marcus was saying. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was kind of reviewing this passage is that we live in you know, a society, a culture that very much prides um, the individual on how they achieve you know, status or money or whatever, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the American dream, you know, you can work hard, you put in the hours and, you know, there will be a payoff at the end. So it's like ingrained yeah. in our society, mm-hmm. in our Western culture to be very individualistic. Yep. And so um, when we look at passages like this, where it says, you know, we are not to boast in ourselves um, because of anything we've done, it tends to it's almost like we have to actively fight against that because it's so just we're at least I say we maybe it's just me I doubt it though but very nonchalant about our individualism our achievements and things like that and then you have to kind of switch your brain to hey it's not about me right it's nothing that I've done the only thing I've contributed to my salvation is my condemnation my yeah. damnation you know and it's very easy to just go throughout the day very robotic like and just kind of not address that issue um so i think you know kind of going along to follow up on that what i've i said what i (laughs) there i go (laughs) (laughs) i think it's important that we take a mindset that we have to humble ourselves every day right Mm. kill our pride you know c.s lewis writes that pride is like the most heinous thing most um, anti-christian attitude sin vice whatever you want to call it that can hurt and destroy us and so if we're not telling ourselves every day that it's not about me right it's not about what i've done i think that instills in us an attitude where we can be obedient respond to the gospel respond to what jesus has done and go and actually live that out Um, but i know for me that's very hard it's again something i have to almost repeat to myself not just day by day but like hour by hour it's like hey Am I going to do this thing because it makes me feel good, but I know it's wrong? Or am I going to do that? Um, and also, <laughs> just as a side note, marriage is a great way to kind of test that out a little bit because marriage, and I was thinking about this on the walk over here, um, marriage is constantly about, you know, at least what I have experienced, denying yourself, being very forgiving, and not responding in a me attitude, but um, caring more about your spouse than yourself and so i think the year and a half i've been married has been edifying in that regard and so you know i think that it's been a good illustration for how we can conduct ourselves not just in marriage but in life in general mm-hmm. i love that you use the word active too because i think that you're right it's it's and we don't recognize it that pride is 
so dangerous to the point if we don't take an active stance that it is working and it yeah. is chipping away and it is ingrained in our culture and our thought and all of those kind of things and I think you're you're a hundred percent right I, I struggle with it too but I think it's it's dangerous because we have like a mental image of what pride is it's like pride's the guy who's you know uh, <laughs> I think of the meme of like the it's the podium you know what I'm talking about and there's the guys on the podium and there's the guy in third place and he's like partying and he's got like a champagne bottle <laughs> like and like that's the type of pride that we think about of like someone who's just overly vocal all the time but like biblical pride here is a whole separate level mm -hmm. it's seeing the world through any other lens than the lord's lens which right. includes the way that i'm just walking about and just viewing things the way that i keyword here and viewing things right and that's pride it's not just the oh, did you hear about i went over to uh played 18 holes yesterday and shot under five like what you know whatever it is like it's it's so much further beyond that um and honestly it's funny to me that, you know, we get to verse 27 and Paul's like, where then is boasting? And I'm like, Paul, didn't you just spend the first like two chapters just grinding us into the earth, telling us that we had, that we had nothing to boast about? But it's that pervasive. Pride is that pervasive that we have to just keep just nuking the earth to yeah. get all the way down to yeah. the core of like something needs to change all the way down there. And praise God that Jesus did it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah, so we spent quite a bit of time on, you know, how the gospel humbles, but what about the that next big point about the, the gospel unifies, like Marcus, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, what do you see there? Yeah, the fundamental truth of Judaism has always been that they're, that the Lord our God is one. Right? Deuteronomy 64, yeah. Um, and, and so because of that, it, it necessarily follows that there's only one way of salvation. Um, and... We see this in like, it's not as um, distant, I think, as, as we may think, because all the way back in 21, um, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, right? The, the, the Old Testament has always been, been saying that this righteousness that we so desperately need, God provides and um, has provided. It's not to, new. Right, to all um, through faith in Christ. Um, in the Old Testament, it was the promised Messiah. In John 8, we see that um, Abraham heard the gospel. Um, like, it's it was this, this very, like, old, like as old as you can get, um, <laughs> promise and reality that the Jews should have known. And, and because it's not new, and because God is one, then there's only one way of salvation for all people. Mm. And that's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. I'm missing one. According to Scripture alone. There you go. But that one doesn't... I mean, you could go to 21 to point there. I had it ready to talk about those, but, you know, the five solas of the Reformation, but rabbit holes, you know. We can go down them. But the question becomes to me is, all right, so that's, that's true. Marcus said it on stage, therefore it must be true. <laughs> um... The how how does that then unify? You know, I think that that part's missing for us. So how would you guys say that that unifies? Right, this is the truth that there's one, there's one way. How then do I sitting in my chair am I unified to the guy sitting next to me and then the the church coming in at eleven thirty? You know, through Christ, that's it. 
Um, it, it's the the only once and for all sacrifice, once and for all, um, being the the key word there, or words, key phrase. Um, it, it's not a uh, for this group of people only, for that group of people. It is once and for all received through faith. Um, and that's what unifies us, the, the blood of Jesus um, shed on behalf of sinners. So we're all working from the same foundation. All yeah. entering the same way. Yeah, that's what I was going to kind of harp on, just getting below uh, the surface a little bit there about how, you know, if God is no longer looking at the old man and what separates us from him, which is the sin, like, and he's covered that, then... You know, we, we look at each other, brothers and sisters in Christ, the same way, where we don't look at the differences, we don't look at the, the sins against each other, we don't look at just what we're boasting about anymore. Like, we humble ourselves as well as everybody else is humbling themselves, and we look at the, the common denominator of our unity in Christ. I think that we do look at the differences, and, and I think that we celebrate the differences. Right. Red, like... Um, I think we talked about it last week. The difference between you and me and me and Marisa or me, Jacob, and Paul, right. and, you know, um, I think that that's something that God has given us to glorify himself, to, to just reinforce that truth yeah. that, um, that there is only one way and that there is no distinction, um, that all who are in Christ are, are one in him. Yeah. So I guess the where I was getting I know what you mean. The, the differences don't mean the distinction. Right, right. Differences don't mean the distinction. We should cross-stitch that on a pillow. That's pretty good. That is good. We I like that. T-shirt. T-shirt. I was thinking cross-stitch on a pillow. I mean, that's <laughs> like that sounds great. I just don't know where, like, in my mind. The market where, for that right. is. <laughs> um, the, but if you get it on Pinterest, it'll sell. Or Etsy or something Good point. Like that. Good point. I'm not on the creative team, so. <laughs> but that was, something, that, that was something that I, I don't think that I mentioned last week, and I was thinking about it. Um, in our podcast last week, yeah. um, something that I was thinking about, like distinctions or sorry, differences are important. Yeah. Um, and they should be celebrated. They should be embraced and they should be welcomed. Um, you know, we don't just like whitewash everybody. Um, we appreciate different cultures and everything else, but yeah, to your point, like that doesn't make the distinction. I think that points to the the greatness of the unifier right because <laughs> uh, it's very easy to see distinctions and differences um and and particularly to say that they mean something that separates us but i think it only because i think we we look i mean i don't even speak their language right and that's already like a huge distinction between us right but how great is our unifier that even above that right. and, you know mm -hmm. things might be difficult communicating right. but I think that we can get caught up in what we see in terms of, man, things look different, things sound different, things smell different, whatever it mm -hmm. is. Um, but our unifier is so much greater than all of those things. And that's the foundation that we have to work off of. Hey, man. Hey. Hey. Also, how are we 27 minutes into this podcast and no one has said anything about being gracist and not racist <laughs> i have it written down in quotes that is uh, so i found that obviously studying and um that's a good one that is, so all right we have differences <laughs> don't make distinctions um and grace is not racist um but because your salvation doesn't depend on your ability uh, your works your obedience 
because it depends solely on God, because there's only one way uh, to be saved for both people. And since he, he's torn down, torn down the wall of hostility that stood between the Jews and everybody else, um, all, all of his grace, it enables us not to be racist, but to be gracious. Uh, just one more in the line of Marcus-isms throughout the years. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. I was about to say, who gets credit for that? Yeah. <laughs> Who's the guy's name? Do you know? Um, I forgot his first name, last name, uh, Marida. Marita. Marita. Nice. Oh, that sounds... So... Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Gracist, not racist. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, Jacob, on, on this big point? It got me kind of thinking of kind of big picture in that we can because of what Jesus has done and that is you know the unifying thing behind Christianity as a whole across the world you know we can unite with our um, fellow Christians against those who would come and attack the gospel and those who would you know kind of come against us we can hold each other up we can encourage each other we can defend against you know those types of attacks um, I will admit though there are times where with other Christian denominations it seems like there is a lot more disunity and a lot more conflict and that we tend to focus on those divisions instead of what unites right Mm -hmm. um so that to me is something of a point of kind of i don't want to say struggle but it's something i've been getting a lot of thought towards recently um and just how sometimes it seems you know big church global church um, the big invisible church is sometimes disunified and we tend to fight against more each other, tend to butt heads more against each other than focus on the saving work of Jesus and spreading that message to those who need to hear it. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just my perspective with stuff I've been looking into and stuff. So, No, it's not. Yeah, it's a, I see it too. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's nothing new, but it's um, increasingly prevalent in our day and age mm-hmm. my reaction is always well what do you i mean what even is there to do like is there any like i mean do we even do anything about it that's one of the and maybe that's just a negative nancy view i have but when i think about church division i'm like well i mean it's just gonna get worse you know, <laughs> cry. um but yeah i mean i don't i don't know how to address it i mean certainly us four sitting here in this what do we call this room? Green room? Now it's the student room. Yeah, this is now the youth know. room. Cool student room, Josh. Uh, I feel younger just sitting in here. <laughs> <laughs> Taking years off. Yeah. But I mean, what do you even what do you even do? I think um, at least the the way that I've sought to um, uh, not manage, not control, not um, address this problem is. They're recognizing that there are valid reasons for uh, separating. The, I think the United Methodist Church is probably the um, most recent that comes to mind, but before them it was uh, the Presbyterian Church. And, and so things like uh, there are some contemporary issues um, with the Methodist Church. It was LGBTQ, AI plus, two times star, minus three. Um, it was that whole issue that that really wedged um, division within that denomination. And I understand, um, and and they've been talking for years about 
you know, what's, what do they believe? What do they not believe? Um, and trying to unify as best they could, and they, they couldn't reach um, any sort of agreement after much discussion and um, ultimately decided to um, divide. And I don't think that they formalized it yet. I'm not 100% sure, but it's getting close. Anyways, the point being, like, that would be a, a good reason in my mind um, to separate. They, I think it, it hinders the gospel. I think it violates core beliefs, core doctrines that, that we hold. Um, and that would be a good reason um, to separate. Now, what I what I think that we see in the New Testament is like the apostles were quick to call those people heretics. Hmm. Like, oh, you're teaching false doctrine? Here's why. Uh, like, we've confronted you. Um, now you're a heretic. And like, no one's going to listen to you. I don't know if we... Um, if we've gotten there yet, but well, I think in, in today's kind of day, it's it's difficult to do that, and yeah. I don't say that in a oh, today everyone's such a wimp. Yeah, I say that in just the the time that we live in. I think that very easily, and I think I think I'm gonna come across as being very negative to current era, but I'm I'm truly not. But I think that in the way that we have discussions today, it's just very easy to lose anybody immediately by. A tone of voice, a word, um, you know, it's just very easy to lose somebody. And I think mm-hmm. if we're called to speak uh, the truth and love, then, uh, man, we it's, it's like our game's got to step up, you know. We've got to take an extra mile to be slow and to be thoughtful and to be considerate in the way that we, that we say things. And we're going to present this truth that unifies. Uh, we've got to be careful and, and diligent in how we do it. Yeah, I, think I agree. Things like, do you want to, you know, win the argument, or do you want to reach out and win the person? Type of attitude. Yeah, definitely. Because win the argument. All yeah. the, <laughs> I mean, Again, every YouTube that guy pride. will will win it. Yeah. All right. Um, any big thoughts on the third point about the gospel confirms? Yeah, it it doesn't negate or nullify the law. Um, Paul's gospel, Paul's teaching the. Um, the third implication being, you know, we just because we're saved by uh, grace through faith in Christ to the glory of God, all alone, you know, you add that after. Um, that does not mean that we don't uh, live in obedience to God's moral law, right? right? Ceremonial, um, judicial, set aside. Um, but it's that moral law that, that is a continual guiding principle. Um, we live as best we can to it. It's a, our, um, yeah, guiding principle, our tutor, our instructor, um, and it reminds us, I think, to your point, how how much um, how unable we are um, to be and to fulfill even you know just the the moral law or the law of Christ that we see uh, the Ten Commandments, except for one, reiterated. So, actually, I think you could argue that all ten are. But anyways, besides the point. Um, the law of Christ, it, it reminds us um, how unable we are to live up to God's holy standard, how much we need his grace. However, what we see in, um, in regeneration and what we see in um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit indwells the born-again believer, um, empowering us to live a life of obedience.
I also think it's important that, you know, we're talking about, what did, you said you didn't, if you could do it over, you wouldn't use the word confirm. What was your word? Yeah, um, the gospel produces obedience. Produces. And I think that's, for one, a better word usage. But for two, um, well, not even for two, adding on to that, if we take verse 31, you know, not at all, rather we uphold the law, and we put that just like six verses before it, um, I think it changes things dramatically right. for us, right? This is the importance of, we talked about justification, and then we moved on to the implications, right? These implications are not a part of the justification. And yeah. so often, subconsciously, or just in the way that we feel like things are being said, we combine the two, and they are not the same. Mm-hmm. There is justification, and then there is sanctification, what comes after, which is me slowly conforming to the image of Christ. It We're not there yet. Dang it. <laughs> but. Um, well, so the reason that I didn't put... Um, the gospel produces obedience is because of that word um, uphold. He, he's saying like we we establish, we confirm the law. And I think what you see here, and there's like no agreement on this, just like anything that's <laughs> vitally important. Um, that uh, in Jesus's death, we see how serious God is against sin. Um, we, we see that just as the law demands that they're... Um, that to atone for sin, there has to be a sacrifice, there has to be a death. We see that in Jesus' death. Um, and since he fulfilled the law, not just in his sinless life, but in his atoning death, um, he, he fulfills all of it, which, you know, paradoxically, like we mentioned, gives us, like being free from the law's condemnation allows us um, to live it out, to, um, to abide by it. Um, not in a way to earn, to your point, earn right. salvation, but in a way to glorify God who saved us. Um, and one thing that we that we didn't read was Ephesians 2.10. We read 8 and 9, but we didn't read 10, which says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like, good works are the necessary consequence of salvation. If you're saved, it, it, you don't just go live however you want to live. Um, it, it's not easy believism where um, you believe only so that, you know, it's fire insurance is what we call it. Um, but no, it, it's to walk in a way that glorifies God through obeying his word. Yeah. I, re- I saw an interesting analogy kind of going along with this. Um, I love it. Yep. It was actually by a, it was like a, it was a, by a Catholic priest whose name I forget, um, but it, you talk about freedom reminded me of what he was saying like we're free from sin and what his analogy was was you know people who speak english we are free to use that language right but in using that language we are free to use it as we will because we know the rules we know the basic grammar we know how to form sentences you know subject object verb agreement all that sort of stuff maybe but you are talking on the podcast so you know enough of it to get by right and so the analogy goes in the same way we are free in christ you know, to do these good works. And in order to do so, we must know the law, right? Talking about here, we uphold the law and we can't uphold what we don't know. And that kind of goes back to a point that you're always talking about is, you know, you have to be in scripture. You have to know the law. Um, and, and knowing the law and upholding that, you know, we please 
God, uh, to use another marriage metaphor, right? I do things for my wife. I do things that please her um, out of an outpouring of love for her. I don't do the things that displease her for the same reason. Um, and in a like manner, we, again, as a response to the saving work of Jesus, we do the things that please him, you know, obeying his law. We don't do the things that displease him, disobeying the law. And if we don't know the law, we can't go to either sides of those of that spectrum. And to further talk about your marriage on this podcast, you are not doing those things in order to be married. Right. You're no, already no, no. married, yeah. right. right? You've no. already been declared, not righteous, but declared married. You've already been declared married. And so you are then doing those things from it. I will read one quote that I think is decent. Um, this is from Elliot Everett, who's great. Uh, what I have done, what I do, and what I will do is not the basis of my acceptance with God or my right. righteousness, my yeah. justification, etc. Yeah. My acceptance, which is full and free, is the foundation for what I do. Right. So all of the justification we got through in 21 through 26, that is the that is the foundation. That is mm -hmm. where it then starts that I am going to uphold the law, like mm -hmm. Marcus said. I'm going to follow these rules, use the language in the way that it is meant to be used, in the way that it makes sense. Yeah. I think just really quick, um, something that always kind of helps me, um, what you guys said is phenomenal. The, what we saw in, in chapter 1, um, 18, uh, really all the way to 32, um, and then up until uh, 321, right? Like, so pretty much this entire section, uh, the section that preceded the one that we're in now, sorry, um, what we see is that, that we are playing on a skyscraper. Yeah, I know you're like, what? We are playing on a skyscraper, and when we remove the boundaries, we can't live uh, and enjoy the view. We can't enjoy just being up there in the environment because we're always worried about falling off because we remove the boundaries, right? When we, um, in our unrighteousness, suppress the truth, um, you know, all sorts of moral decline, uh, we just plunge into sin. And so the, the same, obviously, was for the Jews. Like, they're on this skyscraper, um, unable to play, unable to um, enjoy being up there. But when, when we embrace uh, God's moral law, when we embrace the law of Christ, we're able to, to be up on the skyscraper and enjoy the view, enjoy the environment um, the way that God intended us to do. And I think, you know, going back to looking through um, the windshield, it's like when we are going to fail, um, but we can, one, we have an advocate uh, in heaven, uh, you know, going before God, a great high priest going before us um, in Christ. We have the promise that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, and we have the promise that he came to give us life abundantly. So it's like when, when I... When I want to enjoy things that he's clearly um, commanded against, it's it's hurting me, um, but it's unglorifying to God, um, and it, it inhibits my ability to enjoy that abundant life for the short time um, that I have on this earth. Yeah. Which, it, yeah, sorry, we can go deeper into that one, but... Well, it's something I feel like I even said in the last time I was on the podcast of, you know, it only makes sense that the one who created us would also have the guide, not, 
gosh, guidelines are such painful words to our ears. I agree. But, uh, <laughs> well, especially today when, you know, everything is interpreted through self, right? We're living in post-modernity. Shout out post-modernity. Um, so everything comes through me, right? Therefore, I am the arbiter of every choice and decision and interpretation. And so any rules that come from outside me feel funky. Um, but it only makes sense that the one who created us would also have the design for how we were meant to live and meant to live best and fulfill um, our role as creatures best. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts or encouragements from you guys? We're kind of winding down here. Gracist, not racist. Gracist, not racist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation with all four of us here. It was great. To, I know I enjoyed it. Um, thank you, all three of you other guys, to for being on here with us. We'll, we look forward to uh, doing this more often. Absolutely. All right. Well, listener, you can join us on Sundays at City Church at 9.30 a.m., not 10. We've moved it up to uh, 9.30 a.m. on Sundays, and then uh, we're quickly approaching uh, the school year back in August, so we'll get back to the Wednesday nights as well. But, listener, thank you again. Until next time.